Want to be a part of the conversation? Then let us know on the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at tntradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's news talk, TNT Radio. You're with Charlie Robinson on today's news talk, TNT Radio. From the Rocky Mountains of Denver, Colorado, my name is Charlie Robinson. Thanks for hanging out with me for the next hour. If you want to connect with me, you can do so via email, charlierobinson at tntradio.live. Or you can go to my website. It's brand new, macroaggressions.io, where you can find out all the information about the books I've written and podcasts I do and all of that insanity. But let's start, shall we, with headlines for today, Thursday, January 11th, 2024. New York City High School forced into remote teaching as migrants move in for a night or more. This according to Zero Hedge. No complaining. Don't want to hear it. Not interested in hearing it, New York City. You voted for this. You said you wanted to be a sanctuary city. You said you were stunning and brave and that all of this was fine and that every immigrant in town was welcome. Well, you know what? This is what you get. $12 billion over the next three years New York is intending to spend to uh, deal with this migrant situation, including $1 billion over the next three years just on hotel rooms alone. Gateway Pundit is reporting, quote, Trump promises largest deportation effort in the history of our country. We have no choice. Well, not if the Trilateral Commission has anything to say about this because they're running this border operation and they have big, big plans for the United States and Mexico and Canada to convert them into a North American Union. So you better take it up with them before you start this deportation uh, of 7 million people in counting. I hope you have a lot of airplanes and buses for that. And military.com says Army sees sharp decline in white recruits. Hmm. I wonder why that is. I, 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 what could possibly be the common denominator? You bring in woke ideology that paints white people as being the problem, and then your recruitment drops. In 2018, there were 44,042 white recruits versus this past year, 25,070. Just about half as many. Good job. Don't join the military. And finally, from our friends at Zero Hedge, White House backs legislation to seize frozen Russian assets for Ukraine reconstruction. These people are short-sighted morons. If they do this, nobody in the world will ever trust the United States again. Not that they should in the first place, but for those of you that are still clinging to the to the old America that you knew that stood up for democracy and freedom and liberty and was definitely worthy of your trust managing the world's reserve currency. And yes, we have the biggest military in the world, but we certainly aren't going to just launch indiscriminate wars for no reason because we would never do that because we are a leader of freedom and democracy. Yeah, well, guess what? You're nothing more than a common crook. This is Hans Gruber from Die Hard, if you ask me. When you start stealing the money from the Russian central banks as punishment for the Rus- for what Russia did to Ukraine, well, you've just legalized stealing for one. This is a horribly bad idea. But let's examine how the current Russian-Ukraine situation has gone when you put the sanctions on uh, Russia. What did it do to Russia? Well, a lot of American companies packed up and left, but that didn't stop them. They backed their ruble with gold 
partnered with China to sell them a ton of oil, partnered with India to sell them almost half of the oil that India needs, joined the uh, Belt and Road Initiative, which they had been a member of before, agreed to the BRICS uh, expanding their currency and adding a gold-backed currency, and frankly, doing just fine. So I asked the question, what is the reputation of the American empire worth these days? Because what you're trying to steal, $300 billion, is that worth trading in your reputation around the world? Because nobody will ever believe you when you say, trust us with this, uh, we won't take your, you know, put it in our bank accounts, buy our treasury bills, we're good for it. Sure, store your gold at Fort Knox, we'll, we'll look out for it. How's that going? How's that going? How empty is that vault, everybody? Well, <clears throat> you know, I, I, this is the sales pitch that we get here in America from our mainstream media, that America's always the good guys and that we're just looking out for the little guys and every chance we get, we're trying to help them out. Well, I'll tell you what, that is just a outright lie. We are the enemy. We are the biggest terrorists in the world. American exceptionalism. Yeah, right. Some restrictions may apply. Hey, if you missed your favorite TNT show or interview, simply listen back when you want, whenever you want. Just visit episodes on the TNT website. We're also on all the major podcast platforms, including Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, Podbeam, iHeart, and tune in now. There is no reason to miss out on anything on TNT. Keeping the commitment. I love you guys. Unbelievable. 24-7. Listen to you every day, have for years. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. After more than 10 years of denying the traditional investment world an opportunity to play God with blockchain-based Digital assets, the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission, SEC, has finally given the green light to the first U.S.-listed exchange-traded funds, ETFs, tracking Bitcoin, marking a watershed moment for the world's largest cryptocurrency and the broader crypto industry. Here with the story, joining me now is TNT Radio news producer Adam Clark, a.k.a. Ruckus. Uh, I saw the news yesterday, Ruckus. It was a big deal. Bitcoin ETFs were approved. Gary Gensler botched the response, not once, but twice to it. And uh, and as a result, Bitcoin went through the roof. What's going on, on with, uh, with the ETFs uh, in the general public? How, how are we feeling about this whole thing? I, you know what? I feel semi-excited. I used to be really keen to the whole Bitcoin crypto markets. I used to, that's all I used to watch were videos about it and checking out charts and playing with that stuff. And this was the big one. This was supposed to be it. This is the big deal. And it's finally happening. This is something that people who are in this space have been waiting for for a very, very long time. And it's not even because they want to play around in this in this form of fashion. This is a spot Bitcoin ETF, by the way. So this is very good. Uh, but this is this is going to garner a lot of attention to the space. It's going to uh, lead to adoption. At least that's the idea in a lot of Bitcoin uh, fans' minds. Uh, but it, it is certainly a historical moment that this is finally actually happening. Um, and of course, as, as you mentioned, there were a few flubs. There were a few embarrassing technical missteps, as it were. Uh, there was actually a hack of the SEC's social media account which was hilarious because the SEC runs around telling uh, people what they need to do to keep themselves protected 
uh, and they failed to, to do it for themselves. So that was great, embarrassing. Uh, but regardless, it, it, it's official. They have officially approved nearly a dozen of these ETFs. Uh, they approved 11 spot Bitcoin ETFs from several major companies. You might actually recognize some of these names, including BlackRock, Fidelity, and Grayscale Investments. Um, it was facing a deadline to rule on at least one of its applications here. Uh, in a statement, I believe this is the real Gensler speaking, not the fake one, but he said, quote, I feel the most sustainable path forward is to approve the listing and trading of these spot Bitcoin ETP shares, end quote. The decision comes after the U.S. Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia ruled in August that the SEC improperly rejected Grayscale's application for a spot Bitcoin ETF. The agency has previously rejected all applications, every single one for such funds. Uh, SEC Commissioner Hester Pierce, a Republican appointee who was an early supporter of the crypto industry, described the agency's decision on Wednesday as the, quote, end of an unnecessary but consequential saga. In his statement, Pierce said, quote, more than 10 years after the filing of the first spot Bitcoin exchange traded product ETP application, the commission finally has approved multiple applications by exchanges to allow the listing and trading of spot Bitcoin ETPs. Uh, she added, quote, this saga likely would have spanned well beyond a decade were it not for the D.C. Circuit ex machina, end quote. Uh, Grayscale CEO Michael Sonnerschein celebrated the approval of his company's spot Bitcoin ETF and the 10 others, calling it a, quote, monumental step forward, end quote, for grayscale investors because they couldn't figure out how to just trade Bitcoin and Bitcoin. Anyway, uh, end quote, all those who realize the potential for crypto transformation, uh, for crypto to transform our future. In his statement, Sonnerschein said, quote, today's historic outcome is a testament to GBTC's investors for their unwavering patience and support and to the entire Grayscale team and our partners for their hard work and dedication, end quote. Um, House Financial Service Chairman Patrick McHenry, Republican from North Carolina, and Representative French Hill, Republican from Arkansas, who chairs the Digital Assets, Financial Technology and Inclusion Subcommittee, called the spot Bitcoin ETF approvals a, quote, historic milestone for the future of the digital asset ecosystem. While legislation to provide clarity and certainty for digital assets remains necessary, these steps taken today are a significant improvement over the SEC's track, re track record of regulation by enforcement. This is what they said in this statement. Uh, they added, quote, we are pleased that investors and our markets will finally be afforded greater access to this generational technology, end quote. Uh, and believe it or not, there's actually still some critics uh, who are not happy about it. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, we'll let the haters, they're going to hate anyway, Charlie. Um, yeah, what do you think about this? Do you think this is good news all around? Has the SEC seen the error of their past ways? Or is this all like a dog and pony show before they rip the rug out from everybody? Well, it, it could be it could be all of those things. It is definitely a good news for the normalization and, um, you know, the sort of the 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 
the way it is viewed by in institutional investors, they have always thought of it as, you know, they, they listen to guys like Gary Gensler, which they shouldn't to, to say, oh, well, this, this is a technology that's used for financing terrorism and drug trade and kidnapping and extortion. Like the US dollar isn't used for all of those. It's the primary source. It's preposterous. The, the excuses that they give for not wanting to uh, approve this, but, but this is the, this is the power of Bitcoin. It is unstoppable and so they can try to stop it which they've tried and as that that article mentioned and i read that as well they're talking about how they dragged their feet on this for 10 years that this should have been done a long long time ago they treated it differently than everything else they um pretended like bitcoin was a fad they pretended like it was just a bunch of nerds trading pokemon cards until the prices got high enough that they couldn't deny it any longer and and i think this is a good sign in terms of just the kind of the normie investors out there that want some access to it but i would be very careful i mean i would remind those people to treat this the way you treat gld or some uh stock you know some etf on gold or the same for silver it's not the same as owning it okay you own exposure to it but you don't own the actual gold or the actual silver or the actual bitcoin in this in this particular case so my best advice to people would be buy bitcoin directly own it yourself own it on your own wallet be that a hot wallet that's connected to the internet or a cold wallet that is not and get it off of the exchanges not your keys not your coins as they say so you don't want to trust i mean listen you mentioned BlackRock, okay? That should send alarm bells ringing for everyone. Nobody should be trusting BlackRock with anything. But when they get in, they get in big. And and I wonder what this is going to do, Ruckus, for pricing on this. Because, uh, you know, in, in some cases with financial disclosures and announcements like this, in the lead up to it, the price is already sort of reflecting the answer before the answer comes. And uh, I wonder if this run, last I saw Bitcoin was sitting at around 47,000 and a half today. Um, it topped, I think, I think it got up to 50 after the last, uh, after the announcement last night. But uh, I wonder if the price appreciation is already baked into the equation. What do you think? Well, like I said, I don't really, I, I used to pay attention to this stuff like every day, like every hour I would check the prices. I'm way past that. I haven't checked the prices or my wallets in like two, three years, but I get a notification from one of my, my trackers that always tells me every day how much I'm down. And it's been telling me every day how much I'm down for the past few years. But suddenly something weird happened this week. It suddenly doesn't have a negative number uh, on the side telling me about my past daily returns. So I'm like, oh, that's good news as far as I'm concerned. That's my bellwether for where crypto is going again. So, yeah, uh, I agree with you. Uh, not your uh, not your keys, not your cheese. That's the way I like to say it. Um, but, yeah, this this should hopefully inspire folks to take ownership of their own finances by getting their hands dirty with Bitcoin, because that's probably what the the powers that be hate most about it is they can't control it. And instead, you are in control and they hate it when you're in control of anything and they're not. So let's yeah. uh, stick it to the man and just jump all in head first. Do it. Why not? Not financial Abs advice, though. Not financial advice, not licensed to give that here. But if you like Bitcoin and you like the scarcity component, but you don't like the fact that it is out in the open, take a look at a coin called Monero. Ooh, that's the one. If you want to talk about the coin that's really being used by money launderers, drug traffickers and kidnappers, it's Monero. Gary Gensler hasn't figured that out yet. Though he did ask uh, Binance to hire him several years ago. He denies it, but of course, CZ, the 
chairman and CEO of Binance came out and said he was looking for a job from us. So, of course, another hypocritical move by Gary Gensler, but I would expect nothing less coming from the Security and Exchange Commission. Thanks, Ruckus. We'll see you tomorrow. And my my first guest will be Tyler Nixon. Second part of the show. Stay with me. We've got director of Jones Plantation, Drew Treglia with us. This is TNT. TNT Radio's Patrick Henningsen. There's a dark cloud which is gathering over Ukraine. This has been an absolute disaster. In the last month alone, as I reported previously, Ukraine's lost 13,000 troops in October. So what does that mean? Well, you can guess that recruitment is probably down. So right now, the government in Kiev, the Zelensky government's doing forced conscription. Morale is at an all-time low. Uh, we've also seen conscientious objectors uh, who are taking to social media, like Telegram, who reported uh, that they were just finished a six-month prison sentence uh, after refusing to go to the front line. Some of the forced conscripts rebelled, were imprisoned for six months, did a six-month sentence, and then the day before their release, they were put into a van and then sent to the front line. I kid you not. Patrick Henningsen on today's News Talk TNT Radio. Affordable housing, we can build that. Sustainable housing, we can build that. At MIT Modular, we understand the importance of housing for all and the importance of design, cost, and functionality. Our goal is to meet the needs of our growing population by converting shipping containers to livable units. If you're like-minded and in a position to invest in something meaningful and life-changing, we want to hear from you. We are a team of professional architects, engineers, and financial and tax experts dedicated to offering unique solutions that provide a brighter future. Our Opportunity Zone Fund offers investors both real estate and operating business diversification, five-year tax deferral on capital gains, annual tax benefits, and ultimately tax-free appreciation potential. There are Opportunity Zones all over America. If you're interested in learning more about our services, need affordable housing, or want to participate in creating a new vision for tomorrow, give us a call in the U.S. on 385-985-5702 or read more at MITModular.com. MIT Modular. We can build that. Our next steps to space. This time we go back to the moon to learn to live, to work, to invent, to create. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Well, if you find yourself in a bind and you need a good attorney, you might want to reach out to our next guest, Roger Stone's attorney, by the way. Ladies and gentlemen, Tyler Nixon. Tyler, how are you? Good Good to meet you. Charlie, great to be with you. Thank you for the uh, the high praise. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, hopefully you don't need to call you, but if they do, then they know they're in good hands. I have a question for you. Since we're since we're going, we're you're in the the legal profession. There's a term I've been hearing quite a bit, and um, and I don't know the ins and outs of it fully, but something tells me you might be able to describe for me exactly what a special counsel is. Oh, gosh. Well, uh, I guess it depends on who you ask, but if you're referring on the federal level, uh, I could give you my 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 answer um, and what I think the Supreme Court does, should decide, and I can give you the academic answer. Uh, and I'll start with my own answer. What it, what my own answer is that it's a constant, unconstitutional outrage uh, that should have been abolished uh, when Robert Mueller was run amok, uh, frankly, with his, uh, his witch hunt against Donald Trump. But um, the special counsel is uh, what was created by the within the uh, internally within the Department of Justice by regulation only, in uh, in answer to the fact that 
the special prosecutor statute, which was a vestige of the Watergate era, had expired in, I believe it was 1999. And uh, so what they, they figured they needed some mechanism to deal with uh, co- uh, issues or cases, excuse me, in which there were conflicts of interest, such as, you know, the president president or his family who appointed the attorney general obviously um and you know this is just one of those one of those uh, sticky uh, wickets i guess you would call it uh, in uh, sort of our, our jurisprudence or in, in our judicial um, uh, processes where you have these people who are uh, you know how do you prosecute high level officials who are directly connected to the people who are the uh, prosecutors and so they've created within the uh, department of justice by regulation the special counsel regulation which uh is essentially uh, says uh that the attorney general in the case of a you know, serious conflict of interest and the president or his family would be probably the penultimate case of this uh, is able to appoint someone who is by regulation supposed to be from outside the government now not just outside the doj outside the government um, completely uh, detached, allegedly, from the politics of it or from any sort of influence, somebody who is also a learned uh, attorney. Now, we saw recently with the uh, David Weiss, who is the U.S. attorney for Delaware, my home state, um, was appointed by uh, Merrick Garland as a special counsel after he had already been purportedly prosecuting uh, Hunter Biden and or, or had been pr- investigating Hunter Biden. Of course, he uh, conveniently let the most serious charges amongst the tax uh, charges anyway, uh, the statutes of limitations lapse on those, which is an egregious, uh, you know, I think any other situation, a U.S. attorney or any prosecutor would have been uh, dressed down hard within the department for letting that happen uh, because it, you know, you're talking millions of dollars here uh, that Hunter Biden was essentially just allowed to uh, get away with uh, paying no taxes on, which is, you know, considering how uh, people are treated by the IRS in this country, a particularly uh, vicious slap on the face of the average taxpayer. That being said, he was appointed special counsel, which is in complete contravention of the statute and, and, and or excuse me, the uh, regulation and the spirit of it, because it's supposed to be, again, from outside the government. Not only is he not from outside the government, he's not even from outside the DOJ. Now, to the, to the question of um, what the Constitution says about it, uh, I would refer your listeners to a brilliant amicus brief drift, drafted by a former, uh, former Attorney General Ed Meese and uh, Stephen Calabrese, a, uh, a law professor, in which they essentially dissect and destroy this uh, this manner in which they've been appointing these so-called special counsel and, and letting them run amok prosecuting across the country in multiple jurisdictions, uh, political figures, and you know, not the least being Donald Trump, uh, but before that, Roger Stone and all of uh, you know uh, Donald Trump's. Uh, you know, key associates, key allies, um, and I, I think this should have been uh, should have been decided years ago. And it's almost unassailable because it it really just it attacks the idea that a an attorney general can create a U.S. attorney at large to run around and prosecute the country. I liken it to uh, the the analogy that saying that a judge can appoint a judge within him, you know within his court to handle cases, and that's just not case. We have review. We require confirmation by the Senate, appointment by the president for. Uh, what are considered um, superior officers, not inferior officers, which definitely, uh, if you're a, a U.S. attorney level prosecutor, as Jack Smith is, or, or is being treated, um, you would have to be confirmed by the Senate. You cannot just appointed by the president. Uh, so, you know, interestingly, they call him Citizen Jack Smith in the uh, in this amicus brief and don't give him even the respect of being a, a, a really an employee of the government. They say he's totally illegitimate, and they even dispute whether he can even appeal to the Supreme Court himself. And I think if the Supreme Court follows through uh, and follows the Constitution, 
Jack Smith's going to go away and the entire position of special counsel with it. I've never even heard this term until Trump took office. This has this been used before in the past, and I just am not hearing about it. It seems like they dusted it off specifically to, to deal with Donald Trump. Is that the case? Well, uh, you know, you had a special counsel in the case of, I believe, Scooter Libby, uh, the vice president. Mm. Uh, well, actually, there might have been a, you know, it's, it's kind of a weird thing. I mean, they've sort of they've used it in a couple instances, but it's never been anything that was high profile. Um, and it's no, it, it has been uh, rarely used, and for good reason because. Again, it's 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 really testing the limits of any constitutional uh, constitutional smell test, I guess you would say, because it's uh, um, you know how do you how do you escape the uh, again the conflict of interest when you know ultimately the person appointing it is supposed to be the one who's conflicted. So you know it's it, they can't escape it. I mean, and and really, I think Congress doesn't want to have and the purpose of uh, letting the statute lapse reflects the will of Congress. They don't want these special prosecutors or special counsel, whatever have you. These sort of quote, independent councils or, or uh, who become rogue and then become essentially prosecutors in search of crimes rather than, um, you know, investigating actual uh, actual crimes or political intrigue. That's what it feels like, especially with the Trump case, I would say suggest also with the Roger Stone case, it's, um, you know, we found the, the target. Now let's work backwards and find the crime if we can. Let's dip out for a quick second for a quick news break. We'll be right back with Tyler Nixon. Big news? We do have some big news. TNT Radio News. Big news. For TNT, this is James O'Neill. During a primetime Fox News town hall in Iowa, former President Donald Trump addressed a supportive audience, but faced a direct question about his leadership intentions. Co-host Brett Baer asked Trump to clarify his statement about potential bedlam in the country if criminal prosecutions against him were pursued. At a congressional hearing on Wednesday, Republican legislators confronted Hunter Biden for not complying with a congressional subpoena, accusing him of contempt of Congress. Are you enjoying listening to TNT Radio? Do you think we're doing a good job? Then please let us know. Why not leave us a like or a positive review or comment on Facebook, Gab, or Getter? Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Tyler, I'm curious to get your take on what this new development in Atlanta means for Donald Trump's case. We have the district attorney, Fannie Willis, and the prosecutor in the case who's never tried a RICO case in his life, not just working closely together, but in fact, dating each other, taking the exorbitant salary that they are paying this guy uh, more so than anybody should really be paid in that position and flying around to Napa and going on carnival cruise lines and going on on uh, vacations to Europe. And there, this seems to me, and I have, I have no legal background at all, this seems to me like it's some form of a conflict of interest, at the very least, shady and questionable. Is this yes. going to be something that the the, the Trump administration or the Trump's uh, legal team is going to uh, use to pry this case open and get it thrown out? I think the actually it's the technical legal term or phrase is stinks to high heaven is, is exactly <laughs> what is, is the situation there. It, you know, I guess it would come as no surprise to those who realize what a completely partisan 
uh, rogue this this pro this woman is this uh, uh, Fonnie Willis, and how far afield she has gone from uh, you know the observance of the you know, the both the spirit and frankly the letter of the law in persecuting Donald Trump and bringing these absurd charges and you know tying these people up. I mean, it, it really requires almost like a sociopath level. Uh, of, of indifference and uh, mercenary sort of cutthroat nature to, to do what she's doing. Um, and the fact that she, it, it's in assuming these allegations come to light, and I doubt, sincerely doubt that any Georgia attorney would have filed such uh, uh, allegations with it without very good you know, reason to do so, very good uh, substantiation for it, knowing that, you know, you're going up against not only a, a litigant, but a pro or, or a, uh, a government official, but an actual prosecutor. Um, I, I think that the, there's uh, plenty, and the fact that, frankly, uh, I think Ms. Willis has proven herself to be an, an extremely partisan individual, uh, and you know this is one of the problems I think with electing judges or prosecutors. And I and I know for a fact that if there was no nothing to it, that she would have immediately called a press conference and denounced the MAGA Republicans for trying to smear her good name and all this. And and we haven't heard anything, you know, not a peep from her. And I'm surprised, frankly, that those in her office, the the because uh, at the county level, I mean, I know that prosecutors don't. I mean, they're not paid big bucks as attorneys go. Generally, you're lucky if you're into the low, you know, six figures, meaning like you know, just over a hundred thousand um, dollars. If you're maybe in the federal system, but you know, they're probably only making maybe in the like seventy, eighty thousand dollar range, I would think. Uh, so, so for this this person to be brought in, who, as I understand it, has no. Uh, background as a in, in uh, criminal defense or criminal prosecution whatsoever to be paid as I, uh, the figures I saw were close to seven hundred thousand dollars. I mean, I personally, if I worked in that office, I mean, I'm surprised they're not up in arms. I guess maybe they're either they need the they need the work or uh, you know that's just the way it is. But it's it's excessive, and I don't. There's no there's no justification for it. why would the voters of Fulton County be electing a DA to go in and hire people from outside the system. It's like, if you can't, I mean, you should have, you should have competent prosecutors on staff and it, it there's, there's no, I think, defensible reason for it, uh, either from a public, uh, you know, service perspective. I mean, uh, you know, if, if you can't, if you can't prosecute cases with the staff that you have and the budgets you have without bringing in some hired gun who isn't, again, isn't even, uh, uh has, has no expertise in this, there's no other explanation for it than this. This is like a, a literal theft of government services and a fraud kickback scheme that uh, you know, this woman feels immune from because uh, I guess I don't know. It's su it's such a lopsided uh, political landscape there that the fact that she would be uh, feel empowered enough to bring these uh, scurrilous charges and hamstring these people in a RICO of all things. Uh, uh, case that's just uh, i mean it's really disgusting frankly from a, just a justice perspective but if she feels that empowered i guess she feels empowered also to uh sleep with the person she just appointed or has appointed a so-called special prosecutor and is paying 10 times probably what any other uh, prosecutor in office makes well you mentioned the word lopsided and what a great de description of this because what we've seen over the last half decade has been george soros getting deeply involved with his money and financing the campaigns of district attorneys he claims he gets bigger bang for his buck doing that is that the future of of controlling this country is to just get yourself a couple of district attorneys that can either reimagine criminality and like chessa bowden did in san francisco and say well we're not going to charge anybody for thefts under 951 dollars or we're going to 
you know, allow you to smoke crystal meth out in the park or next to a school. We don't care. We're 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 trying to reevaluate the way we prosecute people. And and of course, it feels very disingenuous that you're going after Donald Trump and pulling every, you know, he got a he got a parking ticket once and they want to hang him for it. So but while at the same time turning a blind eye to criminality that's happening right in front of their faces. This is is this unsustainable from a legal standpoint in America? Well, you know, Mr. Soros, may he soon rest in hell, uh, has gotten his money's worth, I hate to say, and because every one of these situations has produced a completely uh, off the off the wall partisan um, really subverter of justice, not a, not a steward of justice in every case. And the system, uh, you know, these clearly he knows that these are these are again lopsided, highly lopsided partisan Democrat, uh, you know, or leftist uh, jurisdictions where Republicans just don't even they don't even register. So it's really just a matter of securing that nomination or that you know getting your person into the Democrat uh, 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 onto the ballot for the Democrats, and that's it. You know that they're going to be elected, and. Until until the voters wake up enough, and I think San Francisco did uh, toss out that one prosecutor, um, mm -hmm. and who he was recalled or, or thrown off the job. But otherwise, uh, unfortunately, this is a weakness in the system that that you know it's a political weakness that causes uh, bleeds over into the systemic side of the, the justice system, which is a very dangerous situation generally. But it's unfortunately going to have to be solved by a political solution, meaning the voters, uh, either the the uh, people of those jurisdictions are going to have to change it to where it's you know appointed and there's more of a uh, thoughtful process than just whoever can get on the ballot uh, and whoever can be hired or paid off by George Soros. Um, I don't see in any way that the, uh, you know, there's, there's no there's no ability to bring this, in other words, before like the courts, the state high courts or the uh, nation's high court uh, to change that system. And uh, you know, it's democracy at its finest or it's, uh, you know, I mean, that's one of the reasons we don't have a direct democracy. Thank God uh, we do have a, a republic and we do have representative government. But I think with these sensitive positions and in some cases even worse with judges, uh, it's a real flaw, unfortunately, that, that is a patchwork within our system. And we see the results. I mean, it's just it's un, it, and really they're not even they're not even they don't even try to be refined or sort of uh, um you know, cautious or careful about it. I mean, it's just completely let let criminals run loose, like you know, no bail or or no cash bail, that kind of thing, while they're persecuting their political opponents. And I just hope that there are enough fair-minded people left in this country that see that and will uh, vote accordingly in the future, and that we'll see people stand up against it who will be uh, uh, empowered. Yeah, I certainly do too. And I think the tide's turning. I think a lot of people are tired of getting their car broken into and and they're ready oh, for a man. change. <laughs> and lastly, kidding, man. I live in uh, I, you, just, I live in Denver it? and I, I yeah, and it's like literally I I'm on this uh, thing next door is the uh, you know, I get notifications. We've had I mean people having six, eight car thefts just within this like area a day easily. And it's it's scary. I mean, like my God, you you, you don't feel safe. Uh, even even in a uh, an area of a city, big city that's not not a crime ridden area necessarily. I feel you. I'm in Denver too, my man. Uh, let, oh, really? Yes, I am. Oh, I've, I've, we've seen the buses are coming from from Texas. We know that they're they're oh, dropping gosh. people off. It's just it's turned into a, a, a mess out here. Lastly, with the last minute that we've got, sure. since I've got you here, how does it end for Hunter Biden? Oh, gosh. With a pardon from his father, <laughs> that's, probably. that's exactly 
Yeah, there's no question. He's not going to go to prison uh, uh, unless somebody dreams up some state charges, uh, state level charges, and and gets a little, uh, you know, sort of uh, inspiration. But no, he's uh, he's going to walk away scot free. He's going to be, um, I mean, not scot free. I mean, he's he's a, an, an international embarrassment to the country and to the to his father. But I don't think he cares. Um, I've known him for 40 years, and uh, you know, he doesn't he doesn't look like the person I knew even say you know 20 years ago. And it's just it's it's an awful commentary on uh, the, this sort of the political class in this country and how they view uh, the law, how they view our, the, the citizenry, how they view uh, our, our institutions, which is just, a, you know, literally, for lack of a better term, just to piss all over them. Uh, and Hunter Biden couldn't have been more. I mean, you want to talk about contempt. I mean, he he literally epitomizes the word in every sense, legally and otherwise. And I hope they act on it and at least that he's held to account on some level because uh, you know, like I'm, look, I'm not, uh, I mean, like I said, I've known him for years. I, I don't have any animus for him personally, certainly. Um, we got along great and I, I always thought well of him, but, um, what I've seen in the last, uh, at least you know, whatever, 10 years, his behavior, he really is, I think he's lost his mind. I think he's, uh, unfortunately. Well, he'll always have his, his, uh, amazing art career that he can fall back on. <laughs> <laughs> That's oh, Tyler man. Nixon. Finger, everybody. I got, I got to take up finger painting myself. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks Tyler. We appreciate Thank the insight. You, Hopefully we don't, uh, we don't need to call you anytime soon for legal, uh, for our own personal legal advice, but we do appreciate you coming on the radio and talking to us about it. That's Tyler Nixon. Everybody we will be back on the other side of this break with Drew Treglia. This is TNT. While serving in Afghanistan, I was hit by sniper fire. The fighting was so intense, the medevac chopper- This is TNT. While serving in Afghanistan, I was hit by sniper fire. The fighting was so intense, the medevac chopper was barely able to land. In the hospital, I was given a 5% chance to live. It's a good thing math wasn't my best subject. Today, I visit classrooms and share my story. I talk to kids about dealing with life's struggles. I tell them, with a little help and a lot of work that you can overcome any challenge. DAV helps veterans like Adam get the benefits they've earned. They help more than a million veterans every year in life-changing ways. I know that some struggles are big and some are small, but they're all struggles and you have to learn to get through them. With support from DAV, more veterans like me can live their best life. And as a new father, I have one more reason to keep on keeping on. My victory is being there for the next generation. Adam Alexander, may your victories inspire many more. Support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. Internet crimes against children in New Mexico are real. And when it comes to protecting your children, the New Mexico AG's office and the ICAC unit are on the front lines. I'm New Mexico Attorney General Hector Balderas. There's nowhere to hide for online predators in New Mexico. We are working tirelessly using state-of-the-art technology and resources to seek out and find them wherever they are. Please talk to your children about the dangers that exist online, social media, games, and messenger apps. It's always important to know who you're talking to. Help fight online predators in New Mexico by submitting a tip today. If you can't believe what you're hearing, get the straight talk from Charlie Robinson on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Well, we don't normally do movie reviews on this show, but I'm going to tell you right now, there is a movie out there that you need to watch. At the bare minimum, just go watch the trailer and then you take it from there. You can go to jonesplantationfilm.com to view that. 
but we have the director right here ladies and gentlemen from hollywood drew treglia what's going on drew how are you hey what's going on charlie thanks for having me on it's it's good to see you again i yeah. um i encourage people to go see this film uh because it is you know, it's not exactly about what you think it's about. When you turn it on and you see the the Jones Plantation and you think, oh, is this an eighteen hundred period piece about uh, the the slave trade? And you, well, not really. Can we talk a little bit about how you got started on this project? Because it is out of this world. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, I was in uh, the conference uh, Anarchapoco in Mexico. And uh, originally I was going to do a different project called Democracy Down, which might come around again. And so we were doing interviews down there and uh, I interviewed Larkin Rose and you get you could see it on my channel, the interview in the middle of the interview. I said, well, I said, you know, before during slavery, it was terrible. It was painful, the whips and the chains and the work and everything. But now it's almost like it's more pernicious because it's not whips and chains. It's more like brainwashing and psyop. And uh, he said, that's funny. I did a, a, an animation called Jones Plantation. You should check it out. So me and the who turned out to be the assistant director on the film, Doug Mize, we went and watched the animation. And uh, I was like, that would be a really cool, like narrative short film. And then Doug was like, we should make that a feature. And lo and behold, Larkin lives in uh, Arizona. So when I got back, I reached out to him and I said, hey, man, we should do turn Jones Plantation into a feature film, a narrative fiction feature film, and we should do an Indiegogo to get the money. And he was in he was all aboard. So three years later, here we are. Yeah. And I had a chance to see it last year at Anarchapulco and 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 I knew it was being made because Jeff Berwick and I were sort of in in, in a in a way kind of behind the scenes. Jeff and Larkin know each other really well. And and I had seen Jones Plantation uh, short uh, many years ago and I thought it was great and I got it, you know, and but kind of like the tiny dot, you know, that that Larkin had done another another animated feature that, you know, gives you sends the message in a in a very unique way when i watched the jones plantation short uh, uh film like the, the comic um the animation version i thought oh my god this is brilliant when jeff told me that you guys were talking about turning it into an actual movie i wanted to see, I, I i said this is going to be fantastic i know it's going to take a long time i'm going to pretend like it's not happening but when it's ready i want to see it and when i was at anarchapulco we got a chance to see it live in front of the whole audience there and get their reactions and which was probably extremely powerful for you what did you gather from the audience reaction at anarchapulco to it when you showed it in february of 2023 um they seem to love it and you know, if sometimes you do these screenings or you have like, like we're going to be doing a screening in, in L.A. and on the 20th coming up and a lot of people come. They're part of the project and everybody claps and says, great job. But that particular screening, you know, I didn't know any of those people really. I mean, I knew some people there at the conference, but it was just we just showed it. And um, so they didn't have any like skin in the game to tell me that they loved it, you know. But for the rest of the week, people were coming up to me and tell me how much they love the film and how much they appreciated it. And, and I have a small part. I play the overseer, Jimmy Jack. Uh, he's kind of a funny character. And um, I had people screaming like Jimmy Jack, like all week long, like dudes screaming that at me. So <laughs> it seemed to go really well. It seemed to go really well. Um, you know, overall, basically, the response has been incredible. And then there's like 10 percent of the people who absolutely despise it, which is a good thing. 
like just despise it and hate me for making it, you know, which is a good thing. Um, So it's interesting. It's almost like there's it's always two things that they hate it for. They hate it because they're either like offended by our making fun of the state or they're the race thing. They get offended by the race thing. So or they just feel like we've hit their programming, you know, like I've yeah. had people, I, one guy, the funniest one, some guy uh, did a um, review and like imdb.com. And he was like, I've seen this twice now and I hate it both times. <laughs> like, <laughs> how many times you watch a film you hate twice? Like it didn't make any that, sense. So that reminds me of back when Howard Stern was a big deal there, you know, and when he made his movie private parts, he's like, the people that love you listen to you for an hour and 10 minutes. He's like, yeah, I was like, the people that hate you listen to you for three hours. And it's like, well, we'll take those yeah. people too. I get it, though. I know why people might be frustrated with the film, and I know why people might get go into it thinking, oh, we're going to watch a period piece about slavery and everything. And 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 I guess in, in one way you are. But like like any great film, there's multiple messages going on at the same time. You've got um, the, the overt sort of physical slavery issue going on there. But one of the things that I found that it's man, I'll tell you, this is one of the reasons why I know you're a fantastic director because you found a way to take a very serious topic that has is charged with a lot of emotional energy that people feel very strongly one way or another, and you were able to write that movie and insert comedy into it in a way that had people rolling. And there were certain parts throughout that movie where you guys took some big chances with the dialogue and it absolutely worked and that was what i was so blown away with at anarchapulco was because i i knew i was going to like it because i i like that 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 topic and i was pretty sure that the crowd would like it because if you're at anarchapulco you're probably on board with that topic as well but the response to the jokes, they they hit very well. I'm obviously I'm not going to give them away on this. I want people to go watch the film and and see for themselves. But you were able to drag some of the modern versions of American culture into this period piece in a way that catches people off guard. Was that trial and error? Did you guys have some moments where you were going, oh, man, I don't know if we should do this one or not. This seems a little crazy to me. What were, what was the the work? What was the process like of uh, of infusing those that humor into a very serious movie? Well, I never had that, but Larkin certainly did. The uh, the main screenwriter, he was he was on set. He was losing his mind there. Uh, but when he watched the film, he made a video. and said not only was it did it work, but it was better than what I had written. So that was pretty cool to him. But basically, I knew that we couldn't compete in the um, period piece space with the budget we had and we don't have any stars. And if we made some drama, I just knew we wouldn't be able to compete. So I right off the bat, uh, I was and I told Lorcan that when I read the script, I said, this is going to have some humor in it. And he was like, what? Um, but uh, we need we did we didn't make a one off like, you know, you can love or hate the film, but you've never seen anything like it. It's like got it's a very culty kind of film. And and so those kind of films, they have every kind of they have a little bit of every genre in them, at least the ones that I like. So I and also getting to know legal man, he's hilarious just as yeah. a person. He's a funny guy. So I knew that his character was going to be kind of funny. And I and I knew that we had to make it like hyper reality, you know, um, make, make it so it's mimetic. The characters, they wear the same outfits. They have these kind of goofy outfits on the whole time and um, at least the main guys. And um, 
And then a lot of those joke things, they kind of came in, you know, while we were because we were writing while we were shooting. We had to rewrite so much stuff while we were shooting and for various reasons. And um, and just me and Legal Man have the same sense of humor. We just said, wow, this would be funny. That'd be funny. You know, we just wanted to make it entertaining and not dogmatic and pedantic. You know what I mean? Yeah. I had Lee on my podcast before. Wow. Like, I think he wasn't even filming it then, or maybe it just wrapped up filming. And well, we, I, I heard that we listened, not to cut you off. We listened to that podcast. Me and Doug were actually driving around El Salvador, listening to that podcast. That was a funny podcast, but go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. I liked, I like Lee a lot. He's, he's, he's a trip and, and he's had, he's done. He's had it with everything, you know, with this, the, the system society, he is like one step away from like, you know, put me on a rocket ship and put, take, take me to the moon or something. He's just done with it all. <laughs> he and calls it, himself cyanide pilled. He said he's cyanide. He's, he's not red pilled. He's cyanide pilled. <laughs> 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 it's so perfect but he and for somebody that doesn't come out of hollywood that doesn't have this hardcore acting background you wouldn't know it i mean he let his uh he let his cynicism flow through that character and it was brilliant and i'll tell you what i made this comparison about the film and i think i've said it to you before but when i when i saw it that first time in, in my mind because of the age i am and where i came out of i i very much connected it to the way i felt about the movie swingers when that came out in the mid 90s and i went this is a movie that is a cult classic just waiting to happen it just needs the right audience to find it and when the people that i know that have seen this movie they all say the same thing it's brilliant. It just needs more eyeballs. We just need more people to to see it. So uh, what has the response been so far to, uh, well, from Hollywood to this? Are they terrified of of something like, do they want to just distance themselves from from somebody like you? Or are, they, or are they sort of off the record kind of saying, hey, good job, man. This is a really well done film. Uh, we're still, it's, it's doing well. Um, I wouldn't, I would say, I mean, I can't prove this, but I guarantee I bet you good money that it's the best selling film in America in its weight class and its budget class, which isn't saying much. Most films in this budget class don't make any money, but it's doing OK. But it hasn't hit. You know, we don't know. I was talking to Lee about this the other day. He's like, we don't know where that big hit is going to come from, but he go, because we're mm -hmm. about to launch it on all the big platforms, probably yeah. we're like literally submitting it this week. Uh, to this distributor and they're going to put it up on Amazon and App Apple TV and all that stuff. Um, but we don't know where that's going to come from. We think it's going to, I'm fairly certain it's going to happen where it gets into the dialogue of the culture, you know? Yeah. Uh, but it hasn't quite gotten there yet. It's more been, you know, it's real niche kind of culty. Some, you know, we haven't gotten there yet. We need, we need somebody somewhere just to go. I love this film, you know, and just kind of get, get it out of our sort of niche, you know, the, the people that are, you know, on the human flourishing team, you know, we need to get out to the normie world. Yeah. It hasn't, hasn't quite gotten there yet. So I don't know that Hollywood even could care less either way. <laughs> well, well, I'll tell you what it, we've got, uh, we've got elections or selections coming up the, the tail end of this year. And there of course is an election or maybe selection process going on in the film as well. So your timing is fantastic. I think a lot of people are going to connect with this. They're going to see, they're going to see a lot of their modern world in this period piece, which is a real trick. Uh, and, and the fact that you guys were able to do that to infuse it, because, you know, for me, if I watch a, if I'm watching an old timey movie, you know, 
you're sort of immersed in that time. And if you were to hear something in the dialogue that didn't really make sense, you might go, oh, this is disconnecting me from the from the fantasy of the of being in this period piece. But the way you guys did it was so brilliant by dragging in these terms that are that are in the in the current lexicon clearly weren't back in the 1860s, but 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 are now. And so it makes an old time movie feel very uh, relevant and uh, almost sort of based on today's things. We've got slavery coming in different flavors. You know, you even get into the fact that we that we've got uh, debt slavery. Right. So there's a scene in there where you introduce uh, Jones Plantation uh, coupons or Jones Plantation JPCs. These JPCs are money. You can yeah, now use yeah. them to buy all the things that you need. Yeah, yeah. We introduced currency. We've got all the bromides in there. Back the blue, uh, trust the plan, build back better. Um, there's a bunch of those in there, you know. Uh, put, put on the damn mask. We got that in there. Yeah. Oh, it's so great because you don't ex- you don't see it coming. You don't expect it coming, and then you get it, and you go. Ugh. You, you catch yourself just kind of like like laughing almost uncontrollably because you're like, oh, I know where they got that one from. So uh, I don't know. But but Drew, do you think people are ready to have this conversation about slavery, about about different forms of slavery, about government slavery, about debt slavery, about this? Or is this uh, or are we just in a culture now where it's like, man, I just want to watch the Kardashians? <laughs> I think so. Yeah, I think so. After the 2020 insanity, I think. Uh- I think so. I whether we're going to win or not, I think we're going to win. But uh, some days I wake up on the wrong side of the bed and I think we're screwed. You know, I don't I don't know. How do you feel? What do you think is going to happen? Well, we I mean, I like a perf- permanent tyranny. Or are we going to get out of this mess? I feel that people are 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 trying to they're tired of it. They feel very they this is very exhausting. They see things, you know, even people that are like we just we just had uh uh, Tyler Nixon on who is, uh, you know, we were talking a little bit about the Donald Trump persecution, even people that like don't care one way or the other about Donald Trump. They're looking at this and they're going, this is gross. This is weird. Like this feels mm-hmm. very un-American. This feels mm-hmm. I don't know what America is exactly today, um, but this doesn't feel like it. So it it I I am optimistic, actually. I feel that these people can or, or have have shown their hands. They've tried to change society too quickly, and they've they've in, in, injected all these uh, woke ideologies into Hollywood. I mean, you're you're in a prime position to capitalize on this because all those people out there that don't want to see another Marvel movie or don't want Luke Skywalker to be non-binary or whatever, you know, they, they've they got an option here to see a film that's going to appeal to them on a level that they haven't even considered. So, man, I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic, maybe even in the absence of, of, I don't know, reality, you know, maybe, maybe I shouldn't be, but I feel like uh, things are turning and I feel like it's uh, culturally people are sort of sick of it all. And, and that's why Anarchapulco has been so popular. Are you going this year? Am I going to see you down there in a couple of weeks? No, I'm not going to be able to make it, unfortunately. Uh, well, you'll be there in spirit and I'll be talking about the film as much as I can. I really do appreciate it. For those of you, just go to jonesplantationfilm.com. All I ask, watch the trailer. If you don't, if if you're not hooked after the trailer, good luck to you. That's Drew Tregler, everybody. We appreciate you. Thanks, Drew, for coming on. And also, big thanks to Tyler Nixon in the first segment, who was able to explain to us 
what a special counsel is and how it is being used to strip our liberties from us. I'll be back tomorrow, 2 p.m. Eastern. Catch you there. Don't go anywhere. This is TNT.